I wanted to learn a little bit more about HR and bias in AI models. So let's talk to the Chief Science Officer and Scouter Michael Campion joins me on this bonus episode of The Business of Tech. Don't you sometimes wish you could see what's happening in your customers' IT rooms you manage without needing to be there? Sentry from RF Code is the answer. Live and recorded video with motion detection offers better visibility than being there. Thermal imaging with 768 monitoring points combined with ambient temperature and humidity. And it's so easy to set up. Plug it in, scan the QR code, and you're done. Sentry helps you know about IT issues before your clients do. And listeners get 30% off your order of hardware and service with code MSP Radio on checkout. Visit rfcode.com slash MSP Radio and never be asked why you didn't know again. Michael, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to start with a super easy question. What does a chief science officer do? <laughs> so the chief science officer is really the mad scientist behind the scenes. So I interact with the CEO and the CTO and, and uh, they tell me sort of what they want. And I kind of make sure that it uh, is aligned with the science and what's the best way to do it according to the latest science. Cool. Well, that means I've got an actual scientist talking, talking to me about some of the things that I've, I've been considering about. You're working in the space of AI, AI and HR technology. And I'd like you to talk to me a little bit about like what's good and what's bad right now, the pros and cons of AI in HR right now. Some of the pros associated with using AI in HR are that it allows you to build a skills-based model for organizations. A scouter does that. We basically take a Word2Vec uh, machine learning program, and we have gone through and uh, taken data from uh, Onlet and other sources online and, and built models to understand the interrelatedness of skills. Uh, we then create a skills library for organizations, and this helps you do a number of things. But the foremost, most important thing is that it allows you to assess someone's potential when it comes to a certain type of job. It increases automation. You know, that's really important efficiency, especially in, in these financial times. It creates knowledge workers. So people that typically were doing stuff that did not involve a lot of, you know, uh, knowledge before now does. And it makes analysts out of people, which is really exciting. And it really increases the satisfaction associated with their jobs. And the models built uh, using AI can be better than uh, human judgment itself. Okay, interesting. But but wouldn't this, so there's got to be some downside too to using the tech. Like what do we need to be wary of when we're thinking about AI as it applies to HR? Uh, in terms of the cons, you know, you're always going to have your negative impact, at least until somebody figures out how not to. You're always going to have your negative impact on uh, employee attitudes and especially applicants' reactions to assessments and stuff like that, because they don't like that a person is not involved. You know, a person's involved up front in creating the model, but they don't like a person not being involved throughout the process to sort of oversee the model. Uh, another is that it uh, requires, in order to institute a change like that, it requires a large-scale change within organizations. Many of them are not ready for it. 
and uh, and so it's hard to to make that happen um of course it suffers from the garbage in garbage out issue so if you have crappy data coming in that's a problem because you have a crappy model coming out and then uh, interpretation of the results sometimes can be an issue but algorithm audits help with these types of things so if you every once in a while are checking to make sure that you're measuring what you indeed think you're measuring then uh, then that's very useful now i want to ask because implied in what you just said was that you think there's a portion of the process where say an applicant is working directly with an ai but i'm one of the, the guiding ideas that I've been hearing from a lot of AI researchers is that AI is really good at augmenting humans, not replacing them. So those two sound like they're a little bit in conflict. Have I, have I missed something here? Or, or you, do you think there are areas where AI can fully replace humans in the process? I don't think at this time there is any area where an employee is being replaced. Uh, aside from when it comes to assessment. So, and they're still not being replaced at that point because employees are creating the model. The problem is then when it comes to that interface between uh, what would have been an employee and a candidate, it's simply a model assessing a candidate's essay or interview or what have you. Okay, gotcha. So what, what, I, what it actually is, is again, it's helping the talent scout get better information about the people that they're that they're screening or helping them with that process it's not replacing them it's just giving them better information that that's fair really that's exactly right and and it's really it's upskilling and reskilling these people that are in those positions so it sort of turns their jobs into something it transforms their jobs into something more challenging and hopefully more exciting for them now one of the things i've been hearing a lot about particularly as it comes to HR and the use of AI with people is the, that bias can be built into the, into the databases, you know, that they're built into the language models themselves. How can organizations, you know, lean in here to make sure that their models and the AIs they're using are as free from that bias and discrimination as they can be? And, and what can they do to mitigate those risks? Really, the main thing you can do is these audits. And so you you basically, um, it's like when you train the model, you then look at those protected classes and does it have an association, do the scores have associations with those protected classes by race, for example, or whatever else? Uh, if it does, then you need to rework the model. Um, but I think that's the main way. So I should back up and say that really right now, there's not a lot of AI being used in ways other than for assessment. And so that's why I'm speaking primarily in terms of candidates. And so when you think of it having a negative effect and measuring things, you know, you don't want it to measure, that's where it's happening typically. You just put in a whole bunch of data and you train it on a bunch of data and it identifies these patterns because it's such a wondrous, you know, uh, tool. Uh, but these patterns, you know, they can be associated with, with people, with things you don't want them to be associated with. You always want to know what it's measuring is, is probably the primary point. Okay, got it. Now, for those that may not know, like, so, so walk me through what one of these audits is and then, you know, who should be, who should be doing the audits? Ideally, so an audit just generally means when you're developing the model, you try to understand mainly what it is measuring. Uh, you then look at the scores it's producing, 
and you uh, you correlate those two class uh, variables. And, and that's simply, you know, that's in, in the most simplest terms, that's what it might be. Ideally, you want to do audits both internally uh, and then potentially externally. If you're a large enough organization who might be prone to litigation, then you might have uh, uh, an external auditor come in and do the same. And there are a lot of IO psychologists that are doing that right now. Okay. So, so this is, this is for those that are developing the models in house. What if it, what, what's your guidance for people that are leveraging kind of off the shelf products, right? That are using a product, uh, that already has the language model in it, you know, either developed and, or, or, you know, we could, we think about all the chatbots that are out there, but it's being built into all kinds of products. Like, is this a, this a, a process that they're going to want to do on these external products? Or are they going to ask for the audit? How, how does that work? Absolutely. So, I mean, I've been involved in a couple of consulting projects before I was with Scatter where a, uh, my fam, I worked for a family firm uh, of consultants and, uh, and we were actually asked by large organizations who were looking to bring in an AI type uh, tool for application blanks. And, uh, and, and so, yes, you want to have an external person come in and, and review it in addition to your internal team. Okay, cool. In a way, this is also a good service provider opportunity to be to be involved with that for their customers. That's, you know, the interesting thing about it, though, is that a lot of, you know, the majority of organizations are not large enough to be able to afford an external consultant for that. And so that's where you have to have somebody on staff uh, when you're a smaller organization, you know, 100 people or less that can perform something, you know, to that effect. Of course, those companies are typically uh, less prone to litigation and stuff, but they still are. Well, but you've just completely described something that's a service that a small mm-hmm. provider could serve to those smaller companies is those AI audits you've just described, like literally just have drawn the line at this is a an SMB style service. If you're less than 100 people, you, you know, as an end customer, this is something you could consume as a service from a provider that's getting a fractional auditor, for example. Sure. That, that's reasonable? That's reasonable. Yeah. Okay. So what are, what's kind of the, the biggest misconceptions here for, so, so there's, I mean, we're, we're all throwing this around and there's so much marketing buzz that's going inside of it. There's gotta be a lot of things that, that you want to dispel as this, the misconceptions about AI and HR, you know, what are those big ones that we want to, want to push back against? That's a very good question. There are a number of major misconceptions. I think the first of it of which is that AI is being used in HR. Now, I, I think we're still on a path to understanding what we can do with AI in HR. I think we need to then, after that, figure out how to optimize it. And I think we need to learn how to dispel the potential blowback or pushback, rather, from employees using it and candidates using it. So I think those are the major things right now, at least to my mind. There have been some recent key findings, though. Uh, that I was going to tell you about that were kind of interesting to me. Uh, so, so there's this art, there's this uh, uh, journal personnel psychology that just put out a bunch of articles in a special issue. And uh, it has shown that uh, AI can be used to understand personality better, the dimensions to use and how it relates to performance. You know, typically your issue with personality is, is prediction and the development of the tool itself. Um, uh, additionally, there's research that shows that uh, um, 
that AI models can predict numerous outcomes simultaneously, which is interesting as opposed to a single one like performance or retention or whatever. Um, and then research actually has shown that uh, uh, AI can be better than human judgment in some cases. So, so what do you sort of see as the evolution here? Like, you, you, th- those are the things that are working on now. Like, beyond those those first couple of steps, where do you see this evolving in, in the future? Beyond that, I think we're going to see a lot of uh, consolidation of HR technology uh, in the space. So, ATSs, HCMs are all going to be coming together into what we refer to at Scouter as talent marketplaces that incorporate AI. Um, you're going to have your skills-based models that help you uh, develop other predictors. So usually you're using, you know, skills themselves and it's sort of a one-to-one match. But isn't it interesting to think about the notion of the relatedness of skills? So if you say that you have, let's say, for simplicity's sake, you understand, you know, how to use Word. Um, well, that's a one-to-one match to, you know, that skill for that job, for some job. But uh, understanding Word is related to understanding Google Sheets, right? So you have a potential to perform using Google Sheets. And so that type of stuff has not been explored yet. We do that at Scouter now. And so we're really excited about that. Uh, And another trend is, as we discussed before, the reskilling, the upskilling of the people that are going to use it. Because the people aren't going anywhere. The jobs are transforming so that the people uh, are more analysts and data scientists i think and so they're going to be moving into those types of skill sets it would feel like a precursor to being successful with these technologies is having given some thought to the framework of you know of of your organization and how they want to apply like the ethics considerations the use cases what guidance would you give to organizations that are starting to think about kind of their framework journey to applying this well you know what what guidance would you give them as they start considering that process i think i think uh, one of the major things is shop around you know when it comes to different vendors suggesting they can use AI for you or help you develop some sort of model. You know, the problem that we've found is a lot of people out there don't really use AI um, or machine learning or, or, or whatever you want to call it. it machine learning sort of under AI. Um, I think, you know, making sure that, that you are, you know, exactly what you're measuring or what people are purporting to measure that are going to come in and develop this model for you. Um, and I think always, always, always focus on the attitudes and you know reactions from the end users. So that includes your employees. That also includes your um, your potential applicants and and people going forward. Gotcha. Well, Michael, if people were interested in learning more about what you're up to at, at Scouter, how can they get in touch and how can they learn more? Oh, great. So uh, so we have a website. That's uh, www.scouter, S-C-O-U-T-R dot team. Uh, They can go there and get a demo with us. Uh, They can email me directly at mcampion, that's M-C-A-M-P-I-O-N at S-C-O-U-T-R dot team. Uh, I think those would be the primary ways. Awesome. I've learned a lot here, Michael. Thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate you walking me through a lot of these pros and cons. Thank you. Thank you for your time, Dave. 
The Business of Tech is written and produced by me, Dave Sobel, under ethics guidelines posted at businessof.tech. Like the content? Support the show at patreon.com slash mspradio or buy our Why Do We Care merch at businessof.tech. If you want to reach our listeners, visit mspradio.com slash engage. Part of the MSP Radio Network.